0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Studio HFL. I'm Larry Powell, your host for this podcast. I'm glad you're back for another interview. I'd like to let you know that this podcast is made possible by the generous support of my new co-sponsor, Messina Covers. David and Erica design and deliver both high-quality customer service and products, both standard and custom. Be sure to check them out at www.messinacovers.net and Messina is spelled M-E-S-S-I-N-A-C-O-V-E-R-S. They offer their support through Patreon. Patreon is a funding platform where you can offer your financial support to this podcast, and your help will go towards hosting, production, and marketing fees. There are several tiers of support offered, and you can check out how you'd like to support this podcast at www.patreon.com studiohfl and Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. You can also offer support by providing comments and a rating on whatever platform you use to get your podcasts. If you'd like to receive news regarding interviews, new guests, access to Studio HFL merchandise, please subscribe to the newsletter by going to www.powellmusic.net and click on the Subscribe to Newsletter link. And of course, Powell Music... P-O-W-E-L-L-M-U-S-I-C dot net. And now, on with the interview. Official welcome. So to all my thousands and thousands, someday, of of listeners to Studio HFL, uh, I want to welcome Paul Mergen, tubist extraordinaire to the program. Paul, welcome. Thank you, Larry.
1: Yeah, thank you. I I really appreciate the opportunity to to talk to you and, and your audience. Thanks. Appreciate it.
0: Yeah. So here's my first question: What does HFL stand for in Studio HFL?
1: Higher, faster, ladder.
0: All right. Good. Well, I, if you <laughs> knew that ahead of time, uh, more points to you. That's great.
1: Yeah. You, you so, have to remember, I'm uh, my brother. Uh, one of my brothers is a trumpet player, right? So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, it's a, it's an interesting connection. I was actually looking through the Marine Corps uh, web page yesterday because Brian Sherlock who is one of the assistant commanders, uh, was in my wedding. And, oh, right. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm looking through the the roster, and sure enough, there's your brother right there. How cool.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's been in, um, I think it's been about 21 years, and he's mm-hmm. set to retire this summer uh, wow. to take over as trumpet professor at uh, Cincinnati Conservatory Music uh, this, this coming fall. So
0: No kidding, he got yeah. that gig. That's yeah. fantastic. He-
1: yeah, so we're uh, the family. We're all really, really excited for them, yeah. um, and I think that they're getting a, a heck of a, a teacher, a performer, a person. So it's um, it's mm-hmm. really exciting news.
0: So. That's great and relatively close. I mean, you being here in Indy, that's uh, that's going to be nice
1: for sure. Yeah, we we usually try to get down to a baseball game. Uh, we still follow the Nationals from my time living in DC, and uh, mm-hmm. whenever they come to Cincinnati, we try to get down to see a ball game. So that'll be great that he's going to be there.
0: Right uh, does Cincy have a team? <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: just, yeah, just they keep kidding. a relatively low profile, <laughs> low profile, right?
0: Or maybe maybe it's the Bengals <laughs> that uh, you know you kind of wonder if there's a team there, but uh. exactly right. <laughs> so. Hey, um, so you and I are colleagues at uh, at the University of Indianapolis. You're teaching tuba and euphonium down there. And mm-hmm. uh, that's really kind of where we met, wasn't it? Uh, or maybe it had been a studio session or, or something around town.
1: Probably. Um, probably I, I think actually the first time I, I played with you, Larry, was at the Lafayette Symphony. I think I was subbing there uh, for a concert. That's um, right. But but our, yes, like you mentioned, I, I know that we had seen each other a couple of times at mm-hmm. a studio session. Um, mm-hmm. But I think once I started there at UND and the work we got to do last year with the faculty brass quintet mm-hmm. uh, was when, um, you know, I started to get to know yourself.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's been, it's been fantastic working there uh, last year that um, the ability to get out and do some recruiting with that quintet was awesome. Mm-hmm. But, uh, it's just a great, great group of faculty there.
0: That was, uh, you know, we did a, well, we haven't done anything this semester. Um, nobody's done much this semester, but uh, <laughs> right. that was pretty eclectic. We did some nice school visits, and then uh, I think the highlight for me was, of course, getting to play uh, in a quintet with Ronnie
1: Rom. Absolutely, that you know, and I, I know that we we talked about this briefly after one of those uh, rehearsals or maybe the performance, but uh, any time we were in the room with him, I was immediately. Um, Taken back in my memory to sitting in my living room with my brother, <laughs> yeah. wearing out those you know tapes at the time of, yeah. uh, of Canadian brass, and just saying, I cannot believe that I'm sharing a stage with this gentleman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, what what an amazing experience.
0: I well, you'll be glad to know I've reached out to Chuck Dalenbach. Uh, I'm I'm hoping to interview him uh, sometime in the near future. I think he would be a terrific, fantastic, terrific interview as well. But. Um. yeah, so a little bit about yourself. Uh, why don't you start with um, uh, where you are and give us a little bit of background on on that, what you're doing here in Indy, or Indiana, I should say, and uh, sure. we'll go from there.
1: Sure, yeah. Um, well, now uh, we, we live in Greencastle, Indiana. My wife is a, a professor of psychology at uh, DePaul University here in Greencastle. So when we moved here in 2016, January of 2016, we uh, set down our roots here Uh, because I wasn't exactly sure what I'd be doing. Um, uh, So we um, decided to make Greencastle our home. Um, But since then, I've been able to uh, pick up some adjunct positions, like you mentioned, at the University of Indianapolis, and I believe I started there September of 2018, although Mm -hmm. I didn't really have students until 2019, January. Mm -hmm. Um, The year before that, during uh, January 2017, I started teaching at Indiana State University. And um, I've also... um, Been lucky enough to be asked to teach the tubas at Carmel High School. Uh, So I've i been there for close to two years now.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. That's that's probably uh, a a larger studio than uh, the other uh, colleges put put together.
1: It's put together, indeed. It is. It is. Yeah. Uh, He has a fantastic band program there, a lot of really, um, really talented kids, and um, he's got a really great private instructor program set up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm lucky to be a part of it. And um, the kids are, kids are wonderful. So uh, I miss seeing them day to day. I don't have as many that are, that are currently taking um, mm-hmm. as I did uh, just because of the situation we find ourselves in now. But, right. Um, so, so yeah, I, there's, there's plenty to keep me busy um, throughout the year and uh, normal times, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but prior to coming here to Indiana, I was a member of the present zone Ring Band for 11 years, um, 2004 to 2015. So um, we left there December of 2015 to, to move out here, mm-hmm. so, which was uh, a difficult decision to make. My wife and I were, um, she was up for tenure here at DePauw, and I had just sort of crossed the tenure mark uh, mm-hmm. in the band, and we were about a crossroads what do we do do we set up shop in dc or do we move to indiana and um really difficult decision to make but in the end we decided we would uh, move here i would leave the band early to Mm -hmm. um we we thought we would have uh we could set down roots and stay here longer um because if i had stayed till retirement age or stayed till 20 years i would have been 49 years old and when you're marching sousaphine uh sousaphone um (laughs) Going <laughs> to get to be forty-nine or fifty. Um, mm-hmm. The idea of doing that much longer than that probably didn't really uh, sound all that great <laughs> to me. So, oh, right, right. I it was an amazing organization to be a part of. I um, I thought that maybe it was best that we we uh, start anew here. Yeah.
0: So, you know, I remember um, talking to Nancy Taylor. Uh, of course, she had been in in the Marine Band and uh, talking about the damage done to uh, people's knees. Uh, and feet you know joints uh, over the years, uh and maybe not so yeah. much in in the president's own, but uh, uh and I don't know unless you guys stand around uh but maybe not as much as as some of the other bands
1: uh, i I would say it's it's a fair amount it's actually it's 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 a pretty significant part of the job it's it's important that you're able to be in good shape because. Um, the position of attention is a a position you stand in a lot when you're (laughs) you're in those bands. And and you're right, you know, depending on some of the services, uh, certainly the army band, uh, the ceremonial unit there, Mm -hmm. spends a lot of time marching in Arlington Cemetery. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, um, you know, it's interesting, um, the summer seasons in the Marine Band, there's these Friday night parades that happen from May through um, the end of August. Mm -hmm. And, um, as well as the, the funerals that are happening. Yeah. And you have um, you have the band. There are two bands that are stationed there. There's the Marine Band and the, the Commandant Own, the General Beagle Corps. Right. And you tend to have older members of those units because they're permanent duty stations and people get in. And so it's a wonderful place to be, and they stay mm-hmm. for a long time. Um, but you also have standing next to platoons of, of young Marines, like mm-hmm. right? uh, these 18- to 22 year old, um young greens who are standing there and and while they spend a lot of time there position of attention they're also uh uh, young young people right (laughs) so uh so the older you get and the you know the the harder it does get to to do that so it does take a toll it's interesting it's not a lot not something that a lot of people think about you know having to consider Mm -hmm. when they think Mm -hmm. about a professional performing job
0: so let me ask you about how you got into the band what were the what was the audition process like for you
1: Sure. Um, I'll tell you, it took me three tries. I took the audition three times, um, and got closer, closer every time, but, um, run very much like a, um, a symphony orchestra audition would be, um, some of the differences would be, uh, for the Marine band. Uh, you get there in the morning and you sign in and whatever position you sign in is the order you're going to play in. Mm So if I was the first person to sign up, I'd be, you know, playing first. Mm -hmm. Um, whereas you know typically you're going to be assigned an hour slot you know somewhere else but mm-hmm. um so it can tend to be a long day um those those first uh days um i think i signed in you know somewhere between seven and eight in the morning and that third time that i auditioned and maybe didn't play until the afternoon mm-hmm. and then um you know, so it's just many hours of kind of waiting around, trying to tell right. yourself you don't need to warm up again. <laughs> you know, just, so how far, you don't need to play how,
0: how far yeah. apart were those three auditions?
1: Uh, that was uh, 2000, 2002 and 2004. Um, so that the band had been going through this cycle of um, members who had reached 30 years of service and were retiring. It just so happened there was, and actually I think it dated back to 98, 2000, 2002, and mm-hmm. 2004. Um, my first audition there was 2000 though. So, and then after that 2004 audition, there was not another two audition until, well, um, I think it was about eight years. Oh gosh. So <laughs> not until about 20, yeah. 2012 or so. Yeah.
0: yeah. So in between those uh, audition cycles, um were you, were you focused on knowing I'm going to take this again? And, and were you really trying to hone those skills specifically for the, the military audition or were you also taking other auditions? Uh, who were you studying with? I took a with? lot
1: of auditions. Sure. Yeah. I, I took a lot of auditions. That, so that was the time I was, uh, I was getting master's degree at Rutgers university with Scott Mendoker mm-hmm. And um, I, I spent, um I spent a lot of time in those practice rooms, uh, going over various lists of, of different orchestras, mm-hmm. um, you know, Colorado symphony, um, New York Philharmonic, um, mm-hmm. a couple of other service bands, the Navy, the air force, uh, coast guard, mm-hmm. um, the band of the golden West, um, air force. Um, and I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. It just seemed like every, every year, certainly there was an audition to take or, or, sure. You know, even within the half a year, there was there was something to do. So,
0: were you advancing Um, at any of those?
1: um, I I had most of the luck in some of the in the military bands. I was part of the finals uh, for the Coast Guard band. Actually, I advanced in the New York Phil audition, and the the Marine Band. um, um, Let's see the the second and third time. Mm -hmm. uh, Second time I made runner up, and then third time I won um mm-hmm. and yeah. the, let's see um i don't think any of the other ones i was able to to do much advancing and
0: so. so you know i'm thinking tuba audition is is it really more than just one five one five one five one? i mean <laughs>
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you'd be surprised for sure yeah <laughs> uh, i you know it's funny um when you are preparing for these things uh, you know, I think a lot of us are used to putting uh, together panels of friends, mm-hmm. right? And um, I, I remember playing for the Marine Band audition. There was another um, two of us in the studio who, um, who were also auditioning. And we, we played this list for um, one of the bands. I think it was a, a band that also had some campus members, um, part of it um, mm-hmm. at Rutgers. And, you, and I know that there were people there in the rehearsal who were listening to this, who were sort of struck by, wow, I didn't realize there was so much activity going on in (laughs) some of these parts. Right. You know, and you think about some of the band parts or some of the, um, some of the orchestra excerpts or um, there's always a solo round or a solo that you have to prepare. Um, So it's, yes, there's just, there's so many different um, styles that you have to be prepared for. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, yeah, definitely abilities here. You have to you have to sort of really break that mold right of the uh mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Yeah, sure. well
0: and you know, you know I was kidding. I, I realize these for options, for sure. uh yeah. you know, when you're you're pl- probably playing Hindemit and Wagner and all the all the typical uh orchestral excerpts, you know, transcriptions and that sort of thing. But uh, um, yeah. Well, that's terrific. You know, it's that was quite a journey. And uh what year did you say you got out?
1: Uh, 2015
0: 2015 and uh okay and i'm just curious what rank did you make
1: uh i made it to gunnery sergeant oh okay so uh, you enter as a staff sergeant or an e6
0: um
1: so i enjoyed i was able to enjoy one promotion uh, Mm -hmm. which was really great fantastic Mm -hmm. and then uh left there
0: yeah so um white house uh performances i would imagine were were part of those duties
1: for sure, yeah, it's a it's a really interesting job because you do so many different kinds of things, and so, um, but the main um, the main emphasis of the job, you know, the the, the nickname of the band or, or part of the name of the band, the President's Own, mm-hmm. is because of the close relationship the band shares with the White House, mm-hmm. and so uh, Thomas Jefferson is uh, the one who gave the band the name, the President's Own, mm-hmm. so it just gives you an idea of how long this association um, has been in place. Mm-hmm. So the Marine band provides all the music uh, for the president of the United States as well as the Commandant of the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. So you'll find the band there in in many different capacities, whether it be a solo piano uh, supporting reception uh, chamber orchestra, because there is um, a, an orchestra element of a Marine band, mm-hmm. um, you know, harp duets, um, uh, string quartets are there. And then to include brass quintets for, um, Honor ceremonies for the president if you were to be awarding an, uh, an award uh, mm-hmm. medal of honor or um, a bill signing or, or something of that nature mm-hmm. and then balcony bands um are, are common uh, i think of the uh garden tours that were open to the public so the, the band would be up on the balcony uh, of the white house on the south Lawn there playing. um and you know just uh, many different Activities like that, Fourth Mm -hmm. of July, Mm -hmm. um, the band was always involved at uh, at festivities at the the White House and Fourth of July. So,
0: um,
1: just really, really interesting stuff um, over there. Mm -hmm. Not to mention everything else the band does throughout the rest of the year. uh, Mm -hmm. Its own concert season um, from January to May, and then and outdoor concert season throughout the summer. The Friday night grades, um, different um, different supportive. Um, musical support uh, for different functions that happen throughout mm-hmm. the city uh, throughout the year, and then, uh, of course, uh, funerals at Arlington Cemetery all mm-hmm. the year long. So.
0: so what was the balance like with, between rehearsing and performing?
1: Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. It's um, Essentially, the, the rehearsing is um, there to support um, the, the function at hand, right? And so um, Let's say it's a concert, part of our regular concert season uh, that ran through uh, January through May Mm -hmm. or or April. Those concerts were typically on Sundays in the afternoon, um, and your rehearsing would would take place during the week, Tuesday through Friday. Mm -hmm. And then you've got your your concert on Sunday. Um, There are other things, uh, Friday night parades. um, Those always had a a morning walkthrough rehearsal. Um, and then the evening, uh, parade, uh, things such as, you know, funerals, the band just goes out and they do them. So I remember the first funeral I was on, I put my sousaphone together and, and my section leader said, uh, all right, so, you know, what's going on. And I kind of looked at him like, uh, not really, but <laughs> whole, uh, I know how to follow, right? So mm-hmm. you just kind of, there's a lot of sort of situational awareness and, um, right. I mean, you're. You're taken through a lot of different scenarios, and you're taught the marching and the customs and courtesies by the assistant drum major. Yeah. Um, but um, you do. There is a sense of sort of kind of getting thrown in in certain situations like that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. Uh, the, the summer season concerts, the, the rehearsal time is shorter, so we had two concerts in the summer uh, during the week that were Wednesday night uh, and. Thursday night mm-hmm. at the Capitol, and then at the Washington Monument, mm-hmm. and those rehearsals were Tuesday and Wednesday mornings. You had two rehearsals and then two concerts for those. It so. really um, the rehearsing was sort of up and down, and, and it all depended on what it is you were you were going to be doing. Right. So and as a result of that, it puts a lot of of, of pressure on you to always be ready. Right, and so you know you kind of have a sense of what your schedule is uh, two weeks out, mm-hmm. and so um, you know that if you're on a week that has that's not concert-related but you're more ceremonial-related, mm-hmm. you also may be asked to do something that comes up really quickly. Mm-hmm. In that event, you have to be ready and in you know in shape and, and always working on you know memorization if it was something that required memorizing,
0: oh, right, or, right,
1: you know or just you know, being, being ready to play. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so it was
0: kind of, kind of interesting in that perspective. At what point, uh, once you got into the band, at what point did you uh, have your FBI interview?
1: When I got in the band? Yeah. Um, I, you don't take an official FBI interview. You fill out, um, I don't remember what the number of the form is, but you, you fill out, uh, it's like a packet an information packet, mm-hmm. um, you, you know, going, uh, it's like previous employment and um, mm-hmm. essentially, you know, if you've ever filled out a background report for entering schools, yeah. it's somewhat related to that, it's just a lot more involved.
0: Well, I, I guess so, I was assuming you were going to have a, yeah. you know, a secret or top secret clearance uh, for that sort of thing. But uh,
1: uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. So those packets go and they they're submitted to mm-hmm. um, whatever office. And, yeah. Um, they, they run their course, but the, to, to be in the band, uh, I'm sure to be in any of the program bands there, so that's, you're required to be able to obtain a secret
0: clearance. Yeah. So um, I was stationed at the Pentagon when I was in the Air Force and mm-hmm. um, uh, had a secret clearance going in, but then I had to get my top secret clearance and FBI came in and um, introduced himself, showed me his identification, and we sat down and it took uh five hours the first day. And yeah. and well, so yeah, this is the thing. You know, we finish and I come out of the room and my sergeant, he's like, Airman, what on the world what on earth have you done in your life? He goes, All of our interviews were done in one to two hours. He's and I said, Well, here's the thing, he's coming back tomorrow. We're supposed to get together, get in the morning and wrap up. <laughs> you know, so I spent like a total of eight hours and you know, I got my I got my clearance uh without any problem. Sure. But man, they, uh, my sergeant rode me hard for, for that, you know, one of the world, <laughs> right. you know, and, and I tell you that they are thorough. Uh, they are certainly thorough, uh, thorough when organization. they do yeah. that, but, uh, you know, uh, and, and it's, it, it, it's okay to tell this now, you know, I mean, I don't have a clearance, you know, none of us have a clearance at this point anymore, but, uh, it, I still say to people, you know, I can tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. That's always, <laughs> sure. that's always fun to see.
1: Well, and actually, I know that I uh, I was able to maintain mine because I, I'm a member of the the Army, the 38th Infantry Division, oh. uh, Army National Guard here in Indiana, and so so the band, I'm I'm part of the band unit, mm-hmm. and um, band members there have to also have to maintain a clearance of some sort. Sure, as well, sure, a, a low
0: level. So. yeah. So um, that's a great segue. Uh, you got here in Indiana, and of course, you're still very active playing. You're playing in a lot of regional orchestras and the recording studio. Uh, and with the 38th yes. and how, how active are they during, during this time of year?
1: Well, normally, um, we would be ramping up for a busy summer season. Uh, end of May is is very busy for the band. We support, um, usually a, um, an enlistment ceremony at the track at the uh, Indy 500 track. Uh, which was a really neat ceremony to be a part of, uh, sending these young men and women off to be new members of the various branches of the armed services, mm-hmm. um, and to be at that track, my you know, my first year that I joined the band unit, I remember doing that ceremony, <laughs> and I had never seen the track before. You know, it's just this <laughs> thing you hear about. You know, mm-hmm. and you see uh, once a year. Uh, so what you know, what an environment to be able to see, um, and so so we would be getting ready to do that. Um, a Memorial Day parade, or um, or various festivities around Memorial Day, mm-hmm. and then typically in June is when we would be having our annual training. Um, so, you know, for the National Guard, it's a weekend a month throughout the year, but um, about about two weeks of training, annual training in the summer. Mm-hmm. And so, for the band, what that means is that we are uh, preparing a show, and then going taking that show or concert out to a different part of the state every year. Uh, to share with various communities.
0: So. Well, uh, yeah, and I guess there's not much of anything going on at the moment. Are, are you guys tasked um, to do any kind of community work during this uh,
1: lockdown? We have not been yet. The, I'll say the band unit has not been yet. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I'm sure certain portions of 38th um, are, are involved in some capacity, uh-huh. um, So uh, really interesting. You know, last month we had um, we had sort of a virtual drill. um, You know, to follow the governor's guidance, Uh, we were not able to assemble to have our drill. So we had to everybody had tasks they had to do throughout the throughout the weekend. Mm -hmm. uh, Administrative tasks, uh, planning assignments that you're you're making sure you're keeping up on those. Sure. So have yet to see what this month's drill is going to look like. Um, I know the May activities have been canceled. Going forward, what the summer um, right. uh, has for us, but yeah. um, it, it's certainly an interesting time right now. But in, in general, it has been a really neat thing to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, I was happy to find it when I when I moved here. I wasn't, I, you know, I just thought I was sort of done with my military career. Um, and then a friend of mine mentioned that I should check out the National Guard, and sure enough, you know, there's a band right here in Indianapolis. So I called them up and said, "Hey, I just got out of the Marine Band," and um, I've 11, 11 years of service. Do um, you need a tuba player? And so they they said to, to come on down and um, let's see if we can make this work. And so fortunately I was able to join and um, I, can, I can finish out my years of service this way. Um, so my time towards pension can mm-hmm. keep uh, ticking, um, which which is really great. And
0: yeah.
1: It afforded me the opportunity to uh, transfer educational benefits um, to my girls and, you know, um, eventually add on our our soon to be fund uh, on there as well.
0: So. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. You know, it, uh, my oldest son is uh, active National Guard right now, and right. Uh, that's he's right. a, a training sergeant. And um, uh, you guys, you guys may uh, cross paths at some point, which I think would be would be fantastic. Uh, you'd really right. like him for sure. Um, but he is already thinking long-term you know he wants to hit that 20-year mark um, mm-hmm. and I you know more power to him but he's he's also interested in switching to the Air Force he wants to cross over and fly A-10s which oh, <laughs> which <laughs> well, uh, well, uh, I'm I'm excited and scared to death at the same time you know so well let's let's back up a little bit you mentioned Rutgers and yes. um, that was a bachelor's or master's? What was,
1: what was that degree? That was a master's. So that uh, master's in tuba performance. Um, and before Rutgers, it's a little bit of an interesting path. I, um, so my undergrad, I got uh, from the University of Michigan. I studied with Fritz Kendig there. Mm-hmm. And um, I could back up a little bit more. Coming out of high school, I, I was a little bit, um, I, you know, I've been involved with music since fourth grade. Um, and I actually started on the trumpet, um, because that's what I knew there was a did.
0: reason I really liked
1: you. I knew it. I knew <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> exactly. I, I thought you would like that. Yeah. So I, um, and then, you know, switched the tube at some point. I think it was about eighth grade. And, um, but I was mostly, mostly involved in sports, uh, throughout high school and, and really enjoyed my music. Um, I did, I was, I sang a lot in the choirs. You know, loved playing in band, um, but really my passion was was with the sports that I was doing.
0: Uh, which I were what until
1: my senior, um, I was I ran track, I fenced, and I uh, played soccer. So uh, fencing is the one that usually gets people. It's not um, very common, but there in New Jersey, the, the sort of the East Mid Atlantic region was uh, very big, and yeah. and our high school had one of the largest uh, programs in the state, and um, just a really really interesting sport. It was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. I I want to see you strike that fencing pose the next time uh, I see you. (laughs) (laughs) We'll
1: we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. The way I I feel, I don't know if I'd be able to stand back up out of that. (laughs) So, but so at any rate, it wasn't until my senior year that I decided that that music is really what I wanted to do in, in school going forward. So I didn't take private lessons until then, until my senior year of high school. So I was—I I felt like I was a little bit late to the game, mm-hmm. and then I really felt late to the game when I got to my freshman year of college. And mm-hmm. you know, I um, my head was spinning with all the music theory, and um, you know, so I, I, it took me took me a while to sort of feel comfortable. Um, but at the same time, I, I just sort of I—I just. I by, the, by my junior year, I was feeling a little bit lost. I wasn't exactly sure what it was I wanted to do, and I actually ended up after my junior year in college leaving the tuba studio, and I, I sort yeah. of put the tuba down for, for a couple of years. So I, I actually ended up graduating with a music history degree from, uh, from Michigan. Wow. And, uh, yeah, so I was a very, I'm, I'm sure, my teacher there, Fritz Kenjig, who is an amazing teacher, um, and he has he's retired this year, um, mm-hmm. He, uh, just an amazing person. I can still, every time I teach, I can hear his voice in my head. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but I think I probably really frustrated him, um, as, you know, as a, a, young man of between 18 and, you know, 21 years old, not really knowing what it was I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And, and so i made the decision ultimately and just kind of put it down. And, and, um, and that's, I didn't play for close to three years until my brother who was in the Marine band at this time. I think he joined in 99. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was the first audition I took for the Marine Band was in two thousand. He said, "Hey, look, there's a there's a tubal audition. Why don't you just, you know, get the horn out and here's the <laughs> excerpt packet and let's just see what we can do, right?" And so, oh, um, well, I did advance in this one. So that was the story that I. So I. Oh, wait, 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 wait. W-
0: Hang on. How much time from where you picked up the horn till the audition?
1: Um, I can't remember. Uh, it was,
0: it because, was a number of months. Uh, you're going to make a, uh, an awful lot of people really mad knowing that well, no, <laughs> you, had, you had much time off the horn, and then you pick uh, it up, I, you know.
1: Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think I was pretty focused about what I was doing, but I was also lucky enough. I still was living in Ann Arbor, and um, I, I met uh, – there was a guy doing graduate work there, I think it was. His name's Travis Sindel. Um and is currently a Navy in the Navy band in Washington, D.C., uh, a tremendous individual, a great tuba player. And I, I met him there and I remember working on this list with him. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that was a, that was a good, um, a good help for me to have. Is to You know, what do we, what do we all want to do? We need to surround ourselves with good sounds, sounds that um, inspire us and sounds that push us. And I think that that's, that's what happened to me then. And and when I got to BC, I was able to advance, which was a shock. (laughs) And, um, and, and then I I didn't do anything past that, but, um, it really, it told me something. You know, I, I decided, I said, you know, I really missed this. I think that there's something there. I think I need to revisit and and go back. And so I, that's when I started researching some graduate programs and I had moved to back to New Jersey where I'm originally from, where I grew up. Mm -hmm. And, um, I decided, well, if I'm in-state there, I had always heard of Scott Mandoker, who um, had been um, a a big-time freelance player in the New Jersey New York area for a long time in New Jersey and had been teaching at Rutgers for a long time. So I called him up and was able, fortunately, to get a spot in his studio. And uh, boy, am I glad I did, uh, um, (laughs) because Scott is just an amazing, amazing person um, and also a really great teacher. I feel really lucky with the the two main teachers I've had. Uh, but he, he really helped me um, not just with the playing aspect. Um, he really helped me with the prep for these auditions. Um, and he helped me with sort of the mental uh, side of things, the mental game and, and um, how to sort of think through things or to try to calm myself down. Just, there was just so many different areas that I thought um, he really helped me with. And so um, having that experience of going through that first audition for the Marine Band um, and enjoying that little bit of success, um, I think, kind of put me on that path. And so I was, I was pretty focused when I started my master's. I felt like a very different player than that tuba player that was in the undergrad. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so I worked a lot harder. Um, I was more focused about what it was I wanted to be doing.
0: So, so let's back up even further. I mean, you, you picked up uh, trumpet, did you say fourth grade?
1: Yeah. We chose instruments in fourth grade um, okay. in our, in our district.
0: Okay. But uh, had you had piano before that? I mean, you said you enjoyed singing. Did you grow up surrounded yeah, by music? It, you know, uh, what, what was that? We were, uh,
1: yeah. Growing up. Um, uh, let's see. I, I took piano lessons um, not for very long. Um, and that I always tell people it's one of my biggest regrets was, uh, was quitting piano <laughs> yeah. and, You know, certainly when I sat in that piano class at the University of Michigan um, (laughs) in those those first two years, I was really, really upset with myself. Um, uh, So I I had been introduced to it then. Um, I think all of us had piano lessons. There were four of us uh, uh, kids in the Mm -hmm. house. Um, My mom played piano and um, she was a preschool teacher. She also played some auto harp. And so there was always some some sort of music happening. Uh, my dad's line is that he played the radio. and That's my dad too. Is that right? Yeah. 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 He, well, he says he doesn't sing much because the nuns scared it out of him when he was a boy. But they were very supportive. Um, we had a, a great music program. We, were, we grew up in a rural part of New Jersey, in the Northwest part of New Jersey, closer to uh, Pennsylvania mm-hmm. than New York city. And um, it was a small um, town, but it was a really wonderful area to grow up in and um, a great music teacher there and a great couple of music teachers there and, um, and just a really, really neat program. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, early on, I learned, Hey, you know, because I was right behind um, my brother, Michael, uh, the one in the Marine band. Mm -hmm. Um, So I always had somebody there that I was trying to, um, copy his actions, right? Mm-hmm. I also had good friends of mine that were really into the band program, and I think that if you have that kind of recipe, you just you get hooked. Mm-hmm. And so um, there was always, always, you know, my you have your close knit unit that was always doing something with it, whether it be choir or band related. Mm-hmm.
0: So do you recall? So it was a very big part of my life. early early musical influences. I mean, can you think back to concerts or records or? you know, artists that, uh, uh, that really influenced you anywhere along the way?
1: Well, I mean, um, I guess it would have to be the Canadian brass, you know, first, um, I, I remember the the albums that my brother started playing. Um, and, uh, it, you know, you're just, you're just amazed by this thing. And like mm-hmm. I, I referenced earlier, you know, we made these tapes, you know, warp almost because of the amount of playing that they got. And, um, so that, that had to be um, sort of the, the first big influence. And then, of course, Empire Brass. Um, and then the area we grew up in, uh, we were only about an hour and 15 minutes from New York City. And so, um, you know, by the time we were getting into high school, it was not uncommon for us to, to go in and hear a New York Philharmonic mm-hmm. or groups from schools going in to hear uh, or see a Broadway play, Um I mean, all of these just amazing experiences that you can witness—you know, uh, near perfection, right? Near mm-hmm. Philharmonic, or those singers that are on Broadway, or the musicians that you're hearing from the pit. Boy. Or, um, I mean, that's that's the uh, to be exposed to something like that is, is really really great.
0: Do you ever get a chance to to meet or talk with Sam Palayin?
1: No, unfortunately not. No, um, and I, I really wish I did have the opportunity um you know it's it's um the that that sound though is as a sound that i i can't forget mm-hmm. you know um it's it's a it's a pretty big influence it's like a, you know i think about like my goodness could that could that guy articulate on, the, on that tuba you know mm-hmm. or just or or just flat out make make music i mean um you know, you were referencing that joke earlier about MPA, right? And oh,
0: yeah. right.
1: you know, <laughs> it takes an individual like that to just throw that concept out the window mm-hmm. and and, um, and show you that you know it's, it's about being an artist or, or being a musician. You can say whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Um, we all just choose a different different thing to mm-hmm. to, to speak through. Mm-hmm.
0: So, you know, yeah. I, it's it's interesting. Yeah, this is this is new territory for me because I'm used to. To talking to other trumpet players and, you know, we have our common heroes and Bud Herseth, and Rolf Smedvig and, and Tom Hooten. And, you know, I mean the Maynard Ferguson, you name sure. it. And, and I'm here sure. thinking, uh, okay. I've already mentioned two of the three tuba players. I, <laughs> I know, I, I also know Deanna Swoboda, um, uh, Pat Sheridan, you know, but, yes. uh, and then bear, I think, isn't that the guy that plays in the New York Phil, uh,
1: yeah, Alan Bear, Alan Bear, yeah.
0: you know, and, Bear. and and that might that might, and Tony Niffen, of course, here in Indy, but it's like oh, uh, you know, it's a, uh, I'm not as big a, in that circle, you know, so it's like, right? Uh, do you guys really have very many people to listen to? And I know the answer is yes. Uh, it's just I don't know those, sure. I don't know that circle yeah. uh, quite as well as the trumpet, but uh, uh, sure, yeah. So who's at the top of the tuba world these days?
1: Like, I mean, you have you have funny people, you know, uh, lots of people doing different kinds of things. Um, but a lot of the names that you just shared are are really setting a precedent right now. I mean, I, mean, I think, uh, of course, um, right now, uh, Gene Picorny has always been um, oh, sure. uh, a tuba tubo voice that, um, uh, you know, I, I try to emulate or, you know, I've been fortunate enough to um, be able to take a lesson from him. And mm-hmm. he just has really, really great things to say. Um, and of course, to be able to sit next to that sound and try to soak up a, a, as much of that as possible is, is mm-hmm. really great. Um, he's, he's, you know, obviously just amazing. Um, uh, Mike Lordland from the Boston Symphony, um, another really interesting person to take lessons from, uh, just because of the way he speaks about the excerpts and, and the phrasing and, um, it, just, uh, an, again, another tremendous sound to follow mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, I mean, all over the place. And then, you know, um, Pat Sheridan for me has always been a sound that I um, uh, I, I use as a, a model. Um, it's, you know, if I could sound a, a fraction, um, you know, as good as that, uh, I would be really, really happy. I mean, I just think it's, it's a really gorgeous, gorgeous piece of sound. Mm-hmm. And, and then, of course, the, his facility on the instrument, his uh, the use of his his air, I mean, just everything is just, um, you know, it's, um, such a great model to have out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a, that's a really big name for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know a ton of the, the names, uh, from Europe or, or Asia. Um, but I know that there is just such tremendous talent, uh, you know, in different parts of this world that, um, and of course in this day and age, it is way easier to find your sound example than maybe it was in the past. Right. Oh yeah. And so you can hop on, on YouTube and, and find, um, you know, somebody who's doing really wonderful things in Europe and, and listen to their channel, um, or, you know, whatever recordings already may be available for purchase through iTunes or, or whatever mm-hmm. um, venue they may be advertising through. But there, yeah, there are a lot of examples to follow for mm-hmm. sure. So- and and I should say, you know, for me locally, I mean, um, Tony different uh, here in Indianapolis uh, is you know just an amazing guy um, and good lord uh, what a tuba player
0: you know <laughs> I... so oh, go ahead go ahead sorry
1: uh, well I was just gonna say I mean I, I one of the best things I ever did was when I first moved here I, I called him up and asked if I could play for him because I had noticed some some things that I had kind of slipped into my playing over previous mm-hmm. you know eleven years that um, I just wanted, I want somebody to kind of hear and help me, help, help me through. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was really, really happy to do that. He, he has tremendous years and um, he had really, um, he, he really picks up on on a lot and he immediately picked up on what I was trying to, mm-hmm. what I was hoping he would hear.
0: Yeah. So. Um, as I was doing, and I forget what year this was, but I was doing some auditions and this has been, I don't know, six, eight years ago, but. I started calling up people like Tony, non-trumpet players, you know, who would take a much more uh, objective listen, you know, and not focus mm-hmm. on maybe some video, uh, idiomatic things with a trumpet. And uh, you mentioned Tony's ears; man, he's he's got such a strong sense of musicality, the song, uh, and <laughs> I was amazed. I, mean, I think we spent the whole time on the posthorn from Mahler three. Uh, you know, but what yeah. he was able to, to help me get out of that was spectacular, you know, and yeah, yeah. Just, a, just a great musician who happens to play tuba, right? Yes, for sure. For sure. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, you know, you I, I can't find any fault in your playing. I mean, the, the few times we played together, uh, it's been a real treat. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just been rock solid and man, I want to do Trying more to of it. And, thing. you know, I, I miss uh, the Muncie Symphony stuff. Uh, you've been playing up Absolutely. there quite a bit, and uh, you know who knows what this is all going to look like on the on the other side of this, right? Uh, I
1: I know you know one of the more interesting things that come out of this is that, um, all of these these lessons, these Zoom lessons or FaceTime lessons that we've been having. You know, and be interesting to see when the fall comes around if if we're going to have to be doing either a hybrid of that in person mm-hmm. or or at, at a distance, it's, it's been, it's a really a challenge and everybody has different um, sort of financial backgrounds, right. Or, um, yeah. or their own personal situations. And so somebody may have a setup where they're able to afford a microphone, right. Mm-hmm. And that might make your online lesson a lot easier. Yeah. Uh, but those who are not able to, um, to afford such things, you know, it really makes some of that uh, difficult to, to talk about certain things, right? So, it's, yeah, it's been it's been a really interesting process to try to navigate your way through, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sure you've been giving plenty of of, of these lessons.
0: Man, and, and you're right though. It's so frustrating. It's just uh, you you listen, and you're like uh, either there's lag time, or the the quality is so poor. Not in the playing, but in, in the audio. And somebody did tell me that uh, at another university, uh, their professor is having them record. Their lessons, and then just upload, and he listens to them later on, and then they they kind of talk about it. So at least the audio quality is um, is good, right? So you just record it to your iPhone. Yeah. And, and so I'm thinking, you know, that may be an option come the fall if we're still going sure. on online uh, teaching. Yeah. But do you find it harder to teach, harder to connect online? A
1: little bit. I mean, you know, um every situation is different so there's either you know distractions on both ends right so I've got twins that are four and at times are bursting through the door because um, yeah. there's like a you know a doll crisis that's happening with a you know <laughs> clothes for the doll or something you know yeah it, or you know and so you know and I'm sure there's distractions that um, students on the other end um, have so it's it is it is difficult in that sense Um, mm. It, it makes it um i like playing a lot in lessons and i like the opportunity to do duets or to play along you know row and octaves or something like that and i really miss that ability i mean that having that lag makes a lot of those sort of duet or playing along uh, makes makes it near impossible At least yeah. i've not figured out a way you know to, yeah. to deal with that so so i really miss that um that aspect of it um and um you know that's probably been the most frustrating thing, is to not have that sort of real, tone um, presence. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, well, there's so. certainly certainly no substitute for sitting next to your student or your teacher. I mean, that's, sure. <laughs> that's goes without saying. Which, but I sure. just I just yeah, said exactly. it. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Well, um, let's see. You got any really funny stories you can tell, or or would they would they come and lock you up if you shared? You know something. That...
1: <laughs> you know, uh, I I will say that nothing completely crazy happened to me while I was in the Marine Band, oh, um, or bad. I didn't wit- witness totally <laughs> crazy things. But there were there are a couple of things that, that stand out. You know, one is I remember being um, part of an honors job for uh, President Bush. I think we were going to play uh, we were going to play honors for him, to the chief, as he was introduced mm-hmm. at the Library of Congress. And so, you know, as with anything that involves the president, you know, you got to get there early. And uh, so we'd been there for a little bit of uh, a little while. And I wanted to, to use the restroom before, um, before we went out. And so I went, you know, followed this staircase downstairs. And all of a sudden I noticed there was like, you always see Secret Service around. Mm-hmm. But then there was this increased presence of Secret Service. And, um, I, you know, kind of ran into this guy who looked at me and said, What are you doing? i said well i'm going to the bathroom and you know and he said uh well you can't be here right now <laughs> and, um, I, you know for a split second i thought I'm not gonna miss this job because mm-hmm. you know, I, I left the area and fortunately somebody else was able to escort me back and um you know because when he when he arrives on site it's sort of like you know nobody can you, you gotta stand your stand still and exactly. you can't go anywhere so <laughs> that's kind of a a, a scary situation, but, yeah. and, and, and then another, there was another situation. I remember, um, again, providing honors the assignment at the white house for president Bush. And so before, before we play, the brass contet comes up and we're standing in the hallway. Um, if you've ever seen the president give a brief, briefing, there's that long red carpet mm-hmm. in a hallway. Mm-hmm. And so we're standing kind of halfway down that, um, on one side and, and the president is, in a room. I don't remember what that room is called, but at some point they open the doors when they're about to make the announcement. Mm -hmm. So there's always this awkward little bit of time where the members of the Brass Quintet are staring at, you know, the leader of the free world, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, uh, across the way. And so he's staring at us, we're staring at him, uh, trying to maintain ceremonial composure and and so he just picked up his arms like he was going to cue us to start playing, you know, just to kind of lighten the moment, which mm-hmm. I thought was really funny. and um, <laughs> You know, just a, a nice, a nice little moment that not a lot of people get to witness. See, yeah. So. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, I have to say it's just that anytime, anytime you're in the White House, uh, whatever capacity, it's just an amazing, mm-hmm. amazing experience. And, and to be able to do that with one of my brothers um, was, was just amazing. You know, something I'll never forget. So very very thankful for that that opportunity
0: it's kind of cool to hear from uh somebody outside the trumpet world (laughs) you know it's like i said i I don't know a lot and uh i I, I learned learned quite a bit so well listen um i look forward to the next time we can we can sit in a group and play together have fun making music
1: absolutely i I look forward to that as well larry yeah i I appreciate the opportunity thanks thanks for asking me to do this
0: thank you again for listening to today's interview I hope you enjoyed your time here, and please come back for more interviews. Be sure to share the news of this podcast with friends and colleagues and give me a rating on whatever platform you get your podcast from. Thanks again to Messina Covers for co-sponsoring this podcast. Don't forget that you, too, can be a supporter. Check out how at www.patreon.com slash studio HFL. And one more reminder that you can sign up to receive news via email regarding new episodes, merchandise, and more by going to palmusic.net and clicking on the subscribe to newsletter link. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you come back for more great interviews.